0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Whitney Walker, Director of People Operations at Remetic, a leading cybersecurity firm. Whitney brings over a decade of experience in people-leading roles across both public and private sectors and joined the team at Remedic in 2023, becoming their Director of People Operations just this past April. She leads the company's people operations functions and does so with a dedication to fostering a positive team culture, one that supports innovation and helping employees reach their fullest professional potential. Whitney is passionate about creating and maintaining a work environment that is built on a foundation of trust and respect, and ultimately implements a people-first mentality that supports innovation and growth through opportunity. Now, what I've learned through doing my initial homework on Whitney is that she's a self-described student of human behavior and motivation in the workplace, and I've asked Whitney to join us today to not only share her unique journey as a member of the HR community, but to help us understand how a culture of coaching can be the key to unlocking your team's full potential. So without further ado, let's get Whitney introduced here. Whitney, welcome to the HR Works podcast and thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks so much, Josh. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, I'm happy to have you on, happy to share your story with the HR community. So let's start there. Why HR? What was that initial spark that really led you to building a career in human resources and people operations? Yeah, my uh,
1: my journey into HR is actually a fairly non-traditional one, right? Uh, it's... Uh, it, it comes stems from my path of like people operations, as well as uh, history and experience of the intersection of leading people and leading business. I worked both in the public and private sectors in a variety of project management, facility management, people leading roles, um, which fit kind of my passion for coaching and leading as well. I grew up playing sports. I was always captains of my teams. Um, through my young adulthood, I studied sociology. I, uh, I've always been that person who um, not only wants to model the behaviors that are motivating to others, but I also want to create leaders behind me, you know, in whatever area I'm, I'm leading in. So um, that's always been kind of my spark and interest kind of into how my, you know, background and leading people has kind of led me in my interest in HR is, you know, the, those, those often um, sometimes seem to be very separate. And I'm not sure why there are a lot of the same skills that you need. And, um, there's, there should be a lot more partnership between leadership management and HR. And I and I love that this bridge is starting to be built with the term of people operations. That's kind of a newer term that's coming to the forefront. And it's a much more collaborative approach to how we lead our most powerful resource in business, which is our people.
0: Yeah, that, that is fantastic. And, and again, a great way to get started. Thank you for sharing that, Whitney. Um, I love those unique stories. And I also really loved hearing that you had that athletic background that really lets coaching just run in your veins here, and is a perfect segue just into our conversation about the importance of coaching culture within organizations. Also, your point about just again that that transition to people operations really sums up the opportunity and the possibility of the role going forward, and looking at at the people function with an operational mindset, really being smart and strategic with that, and, and that's where coaching can really come in. So let's start with that conversation about coaching. What does effective coaching look like in the workplace in 2023?
1: Yeah, I found that effective coaching strikes a good balance between formal and informal learning opportunities for staff. If an organization leans too far on either end of that scale, they're kind of missing out on the uniqueness of that individual person. You know, coaching habits have to be very person-centered approach, right? And and the coach themselves have to have different styles that they can lead into, different methods um, based on how that person reacts to advice or, you know, different habits and goals, Right. So I think effective coaching is really about finding that balance and uh, connecting with the person that, sh- that you're working with.
0: Yeah, it's adaptive. It's innovative. It's it's knowing your audience too and how they'll respond to what you're asking and, and to your methods. Um, not all are one and the same. And that can be said for any workers, any employees, for any teams, they're all unique. And, and again, it requires a good coach probably requires that adaptiveness and that responsiveness to to really be able to pull the right levers to get the right response. Yes,
1: absolutely. It's building that business agility, you know, alongside of like the coaching side of the house, right? And in business, you never know what's going to be next quarter, next year. And the ability to create that flexibility within your relationships so your business can be flexible, so your business can be agile um, is is paramount to future success. No, that's great.
0: So, So Whitney, let me ask this. Has the approach to coaching, has that changed at all over the past few years, especially post-pandemic?
1: I I feel that post-pandemic, you know, across most industries, um, an uptick in coaching has really been important due to how much change management businesses have had to face. Right. Right. Those are the areas that, you know, um, when you're having so much change and it's so fluid and because different, you know, federal laws or state laws or. Uh, public health orders are coming about, right? We had to be really agile and um, really put some things that used to potentially in some businesses be on the back burner to the forefront. You know, um, I'm talking about flexible remote work, you know, mental health awareness initiatives. All those things kind of got brought to the surface, and so a lot of that requires different skills from our leaders and uh, different skills, I don't, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the term like soft skills, so to speak, but um, what that speaks to is kind of the coaching area. It's like, how do we how do we get the best out of our team? How do we put them in the best position for success? And so I think the better businesses have learned to uh, renegotiate what it means to be a leader in their organization and lean into those coaching strategies because of the way the, the world has changed in business post-pandemic.
0: Yeah, well, thinking of new approaches to an agility, We've now seen teams go from being often in in one place where it was easier to message and motivate in one methodology, one approach. Now you've got teams that are spread across many times multiple states, many locations, and that approach to coaching and motivating has to change and has to adapt to fit that new model.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and there isn't, um, you know, you're depending on whether you're a remote workforce, which at you know Remedic were a remote workforce, or if you're uh, in facility on prem. You know, there's there's different things that you need to be able to be good at and to increase as your business changes. So, um, yeah, it it does change.
0: Yeah, and I would think the motivators have changed a bit too over the last few years as work life balance has certainly come more into play. You've got many just employees reassessing how much they want to invest in personal life versus their job into their profession, finding that balance. And and again, having to, from a leadership standpoint, motivate and keep your team locked in. I'm sure that's certainly come into play in in different ways over the last few years.
1: Yeah, it absolutely has. Um, And people are motivated by different things, Right. right? So you, the, getting to know at the, at the very root of coaching is getting to know the person you're working with and know, you know, start to learn over time what motivates them. Some people it's money, some people it's time off, some people it's flexible schedule, right? Some people it's a combination of both and really getting into lean in and having the flexibility within our HR departments of creating total compensation and total benefits package that can be flexible and unique to the individual Um, to the extent that they can, can only help with, you know, employee retention, for example.
0: Yeah. Well, and and coaching seems to be so topical right now, as well as the, the idea of upskilling has really come to the forefront, especially as teams become more thinned out as a result of layoffs or just being more strategic, that there are these opportunities that many teams are looking to upskill their current employee base and really advance their employees. I know that's something you're certainly passionate about. I'm sure coaching is a great way to do that.
1: It absolutely is. I mean, the upskilling through, you know, there's so many areas now, right. Where we can, we can go to gain professional knowledge, but the, the coaching piece of it, right. Is, and the coaching community has grown quite a bit, even since the pandemic, but there's, there's both sides of that coin of what, where it benefits business and the positive impacts it has on business and the positive impact has the person and the coach themselves, right. It's a win-win on all
0: sides. Absolutely. So speaking of those wins, what are some of those benefits of a good coaching culture that can really help the workforce?
1: Yeah, my my first response is just the relationship building, right? Um, the, the keystone of all successful working relationships is trust. And building trust is is absolutely so important. You know, someone doesn't trust you, they're not going to necessarily take your advice or feel like you're putting them in the best place to succeed. So really building that, that keystone is really important. And some of those like qualitative behaviors you'll see are, you know, increased engagement, enhanced collaboration, company loyalty, retention, which we just talked about. Uh, But the business impact is important as well. And, you know, let me share some some data from BetterUp on that, which is, you know, companies with high coaching culture have significantly higher revenue year-over-year growth, 14% higher than low coaching culture organizations. They have significantly higher year-over-year revenue growth, 45% higher than low coaching companies. So we're seeing these both benefit these business impacts as well as, you know, personal impacts to the employee which you know, I know historically HR teams can find challenges in proving their worth, so to speak, from a business standpoint. And when we start to look at these metrics, um, we start to lean into, hey, you want to lean into the data. Let's talk about how the coaching influence can create a business result.
0: Yeah. It's that saying, numbers don't lie. They're right in front of you to argue the benefit of investing in a good coaching culture and developing a good coaching culture. So where does that coaching culture begin? Where does it affect the coaching culture start? Yeah, it's
1: a good question. And I think there's a, like, kind of a first part of the answer and a second part. Yeah, yeah, let's let's dig in. I think the first part is really, it begins with the onboarding process, right? It begins, that's essentially the first coach a new employee will, will meet and begin that trusting relationship with. Because that onboarding manager is going to, you know, set the tone to how the employees in the organizations are, how they're given resources, how they're able to ask and answer questions, how they become adapted into your, you know, your learning culture and, you know, a quality onboarding process that new employee should also be set up with kind of an, you know, an informal mentor, right? So I always like to, to see onboarding processes where it's not just, Hey, you went through onboarding now, here's your supervisor. It's, is there a mentor outside of that relationship? that's a really good coach as well, right? Having that ability to ask somebody questions who isn't your supervisor builds a lot of confidence in the employee. So when they go into meetings with their supervisor, they're confident in their answers. They feel like they have the right background. And then the other part, like the last part and the most obvious is their direct supervisor, right? So the answer really is it is a shared initiative. There are steps along the way and there are coaches along the way that are important to teach Hey, you know, this is a culture of good communication. This is a culture of transparency, no questions or dumb questions, you know, those kind of things help build employee confidence. And then we have that open communication forum to be able to coach those employees and integrate that into our culture.
0: I love that, Whitney. And you got me thinking now too. So you mentioned the onboarding piece. What defines a good coach? What is a good workplace coach? I I come from a, a sports background as well. So I understand how it applies maybe on the sports field. But in the workplace, what does a coach look like, and is it doesn't seem like it's one size fits all? From what you're saying, what are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, I think a coach um, really has to be, in my in my experience, right. The best coaches I've had in the workplace and on the sports field are ones that um, are positive leaders, right? That you that you trust, right? We talked about that before. Um, they're good communicators. They will challenge you right? Um, And they're going to help you build the skills you need. It's like the teach a man to fish kind of approach, right? They're going to help you build those skills. So when that person is, you know, out of your life in some way, or maybe they've moved on to a different organization or however that looks, they've left you with lasting skills to be able to continue to lead going forward.
0: Yeah. I love that. And who keeps coaching going? Who keeps coaching culture going? If if you start it really at at the onboarding piece, is it, from leadership is it from managers employees or is it a shared initiative really across the board to keep that coaching culture going after that day one onboarding process
1: yeah absolutely shared initiative right like so once we kind of ramp up into and we build that employee into the culture it has to keep going because we we don't want to sell something that we're not about right right onboarding process we want to sell what we are about and that it comes from the leader modeling the behavior it comes from coworkers modeling that same behavior it comes from reach outs it comes from on a slack hey are you doing okay today you know it's it's checking in on each other as people and that's the people first mentality that we need to continue to build and that will naturally build to that coaching of like hey if you trust someone if you have a culture that you can reach out and get questions you're getting their knowledge you're getting projects done, right? You're seeing those business outcomes. But, you know, as as people, when we genuinely feel like our coworkers care about us, our engagement, our loyalty is going to be so much better. And our personal happiness, when we talk about that work-life balance, like it's not one or the other, it's people, we want people to be happy and invested in their work, right? Because I think that's that's natural to humans. We want to feel that, right? you know, so the more we can do that as a shared initiative, uh, the, the better results we're going to get.
0: That's so good. It's universal buy-in. What I like in that as well is it's not top-down. It's not leadership to employees. It's not managers to employees. It can be peer-to-peer as well and really coaching each other as you're in the day-to-day and helping to motivate each other while you're working in it together.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and the and the further folks go in their career, like right, the more the peer to peer is becomes important, right? Right. It's I'm only learning from one person in the organization. Is I'm surrounded by a network of professionals that all have something that I don't, right? That all can teach me something. Right. And if I can be that person in return, awesome. You know, but we we really have to learn that our our peer to peer resources are strong and we need to continue to build those.
0: Yeah. So often you maybe think of coaches being the head, the leader of the team, and and then the team kind of falls in line. But no, I mean, you can be, again, your teammates can also be your coaches and and be as as much of a support as that leader.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's huge. So, Whitney, you had earlier mentioned talking about benefits. Some of those key indicators to show that coaching culture is working. What are those KPIs to show that, that there's a healthy coaching culture at an organization?
1: Yeah, I think it's um, it's a feeling, and let me I'll dig in a little bit more, but it, it's a feeling around, do we trust each other? Is communication good? Is transparency, uh, is that kind of a core pillar, right? If these are alive and well in your organization, you're on the right track right? If your organization is missing these, or you're questioning these, you consider these traits low, then I would like look to leadership to, Hey, we need, we need to bring this to the forefront, right? We need to check in with staff around these. We need to do some surveys. We need to get some feedback, right? From our employees of if trust communication and transparency are low. So um, though I think those are some initial indicators. Yeah.
0: I love that. So then what keeps good coaching fresh? I think so often we see this especially in the sports space where where you may have a new coach comes in and it really motivates a team and and everybody comes out running at a hundred miles an hour. And then over time that message gets tuned out and they kind of lose momentum. What keeps good coaching, fresh, innovative, and engaging?
1: Yeah, I think um, self-awareness and mutual awareness. Right. So as we just, were talking about like the peer to peer thing, right. Right. It's like, Hey, like, you know, uh, Claire Hughes Johnson has a great saying, which is say the thing you think you cannot say. (laughs) Right. And that's about holding each other accountable to like, Hey, if, if these things are starting to slip, we we've got to engage. Right. And we have to, we have to engage and understand how to adapt and have leaders who are also lifelong learners and are willing to, um, keep intact the coaching culture and make sure it's alive and well in the organization.
0: Oh, that is great. I love that. So are there any red flags that maybe signify when a coaching culture isn't working or that there's an issue with coaching culture?
1: Yeah, I think there's a few, right? Beyond just kind of like the feeling, right? We're all human beings at the core of us. It doesn't matter your title in right. the organization, <laughs> but some things that you'll, you'll see potentially if if some teams are, are, are hitting those red flags would be um, your team is missing deadlines. They're missing goals. Uh, they're not hitting their KPIs. Right. There's uh, either communication breakdowns or lack of communication or miscommunication, right? You'll start to see that a little bit. Um, There may be a feedback gap up and down the chain, right? Um, Both ways. Uh, Morale could be low, right? Employee engagement could be low in a remote environment. This could look like, you know, screens are shut off when you're on meetings. This could look like a leader poses a question and it's crickets, right? Nobody wants to step up and answer. There could be some underlying tensions. Like any of those things, right, they all kind of lead back to that feeling like, oh, what is that? You know, what's kind of what's what's going on? And uh, you have to recognize those, which is some like EQ kind of situations and, and bring those to the surface. Right. You have to engage in those and, and not just sweep them under the rug.
0: Yeah, it's about reading the room and it's about going to that feeling that you had mentioned and not being afraid to call it out. And then that is the biggest thing that it, it takes some confidence to be able to say, hey, you know what, there's an issue here, we've got to address it. And then you've got to figure out the how. So that brings me to my next question. What is that first step when you recognize maybe there's an issue with your culture or even with your coaching culture, maybe it's failing. How do you turn that around? Where's your first step?
1: Yeah, like you said, the first step is being is having the the trust in your teammates to be able to bring up, hey, we have to engage in this conflict right like something's not going the way we want it to right we have to bring it to the forefront we have to bring it to the table and start to talk about those those solutions and what the roots are and we have to be honest with each other that's like the self-awareness mutual awareness conversation right. you know um and so really bringing it up is have, have the trust in your team that we can engage in difficult conversations and through that conflict we're going to come out the other side better right better as a team we'll have understood what the flag is will have get got around the roadblock, got around the issue and come out stronger
0: because of it. Yeah, you reset in a sense and you kind of bring the issues to the surface, allow yourself a chance to reset, pick that new path going forward, and it levels everybody out. I think that's so important to be honest with yourselves as a team and again, as HR leaders, that power really can fall to the leaders of teams to, to bring that to light and really drive that initiative. Um, speaking of the initiative though of great coaching, kind of bring this back to a positive How do you promote good coaching culture within an organization? Really bring that to the forefront that people are aware and talking about it and buying in?
1: Yeah, I think the easiest answer is leaders need to model these behaviors, right? We we have to model these behaviors in the way we answer emails, in the way we're on calls with people, in the way we respond to stressors, in the way we um, congratulate success right? All these things are are modeled behaviors um, from the leaders, right? And when you, when a leader models this behavior, employees naturally learn to follow this way, right? And I think in this is just my, you know, because I'm an eternal optimist, I think being positive is, you know, having that attitude of we're going to be positive around this, right? Problems will come up in business. Uh, Issues between employees will come up right? These things will happen. These are part of the fabric of being people, right? But if you have the positive outlook that like, hey, these aren't killers, we just got to get around them by being positive, by modeling good behavior, um, and making sure the environment is right for all those things to happen, right? To enter into hard conversations, to exit from them, right? To uh, find successes and celebrate your teammates, uh, to be positive, to to make sure that we're creating an environment of learning and the environment that like, hey, mistakes are going to happen again. We're people. That's the people-centered approach I was talking about.
0: Yeah. Whitney, you hit on two things that I really like there. That idea of top-down leadership, it sounds so cliche, that top-down idea, but it, it truly works. It truly makes sense that if your leaders, if, if ones who are setting the model for the organization haven't bought in. It's not going to filter down. So when you've got that good coaching culture and you want to buy in on that, that needs to start at the top. And really that will filter down to the group, to your newest members to see, okay, this is the way we're doing things. This is how the culture is at this organization and encourage that buy-in. And it'll be so hard to ignore when, when it's, again, bought in from the top. Um, then the other piece you mentioned too about just that positivity, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of the PMA and that positive mental attitude approach. Um, and I certainly think that helps here, right? To look at things and say, okay, even if you're in challenging times, to find a solution. We need to figure out a solution and really encourage the team to buy in on that. I think that is a great way just to drive home that coaching culture within an organization.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every team will be in uncomfortable situations sometimes. <laughs> and if you talk to them yeah. about it and you say, "Hey, we're we're going to get through it." You're going to be, you know, a little bit of that cheerleader, even if that's not always like what people want to hear, but if they know that you're going to be positive through it, you know, if they can look to you in the toughest of times and you're positive, you know, because you because you're like, hey, we, we have the skills, we have the resources, um, we're able to be agile and move around this problem. I have confidence in you as my employee. I have confidence in this team. You know that everybody always needs that one or two people to kind of be that driving force. And I would I would say that's that's the biggest thing that we can can never get enough of is that positive leadership.
0: And that positivity will reverberate throughout an entire organization too. You'll feel it when there's buy and there's belief that, hey, we'll find the solution. We've got the right pieces in place, or we'll find those right pieces to get the solution to find those wins. That is really felt and will will reverberate really strongly throughout a group. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you then, Whitney, what's the best thing you've learned from a great coaching experience in your past? Either professional or through athletics?
1: Yeah, I think one of like my greatest business coaches one of the lessons that I took from her was the ability to like pause, right? Listen mm-hmm. and be curious. Those things all kind of come together, right? And, and I've learned over time that pause first is, is so important to be able to engage in active listening and genuine listening, right? If you're just waiting for your turn to talk, you're not really understanding the person that's bringing you something right? Whether it's a business problem, whether it's a personal problem, whether it's a conflict with another employee, you're not really listening to the issue unless you fully pause and engage in active listening, right? Once you do that, then you can be curious about it, right? And then we talk about, hey, do you have the right questions in your tool belt to be able to coach them through this experience, right? And a lot of what that is, is is having good language around what those things are. You know, yeah. and if you are able to have use language as your powerful tool, you can lead others, you know, you can get that desired outcome because you've been able to coach them through the experience. And, um, you know, when the leader I'm thinking of, once I understood that that was the lesson she was teaching me with how she answered my questions, which was not to answer my questions, to ask me more questions, <laughs> I, I really took that and ran with it. And I think it's been really impactful for me.
0: Yeah. You knew she was listening was hearing you. There was buy-in from from your leader on that, which is great and is only going to motivate you. That's awesome. So Whitney, thank you for sharing that. So again, we're here with Whitney Walker, Director of People Operations at Remedic. Whitney, tell me a bit more about your team at Remedic, what you all are working on. Certainly feel free to share with our audience a bit more about Remedic that you want to share as well. Uh, Now's now's your platform to plug anything you'd like to. Wow, fantastic.
1: Uh, so Remetic we are a, a small team, but a mighty team, right? We've got um, a lot going down with our tiered services. We just rolled out some great new services. One of my favorite pieces about our business is our ability to put customer service first and the customer experience first. We have an absolutely adaptable business model, depending on, you know, we serve modern day SaaS uh, companies, startups specifically, um, okay. and we, we work with them to really build around what their needs are. What are their goals with cybersecurity and InfoSec, um, programs, you know, so we've got different services that we just rolled out this fall that I really think makes sense to different layers of startups. We can be that trusted ally to be brought on. So startups don't have to hire a whole security team. We can be that partner and, uh, build business as they build and scale as they scale. And I think that's one of our strongest suits is the, you know, this is always, you know, my, my. <laughs> well, what I get excited about is the people behind the machines, right? And the people that we have on board are fantastic people, fantastic professionals, and really knowledgeable to be able to lead lead new businesses that that need that support and that advice.
0: That's great. And where can our audience go to learn more about Remedic? Absolutely. You can go to remedic.com.
1: Um, we're on LinkedIn quite a bit, and uh, we encourage you to engage with us. And um, if we can be of service, we'd, we'd love to partner.
0: Awesome. Nice and easy, remedic.com. Now, Whitney, before we close out, I'd love to hear, again, as Director of People Operations, is there an emerging trend you're excited about in the HR and people space right now?
1: I don't know if it's an emerging trend per se, but I get really excited and very um, hopeful about the future when I see business leaders engaging in EQ initiatives, right? Anything that we can do to build our emotional intelligence around how that relates to how we show up in our business, I think is the forefront of business. Right, instead of being separate from, I have to have a different personality in my business. Right, it's how to incorporate that into into your business and how to use those skills to find outcomes that are positive. Right, and so I get really excited when I see uh, leaders do this. When I see um, you know little. Courses on LinkedIn surrounding EQ and how to bring this into your business. I get excited about those things. So I don't know that it's a trend necessarily, but I certainly think in um, you know the last few years it's become more and more on the on the tongues of leaders as opposed to um, just buried in the back. So i get excited by that. Yeah,
0: that, that is an exciting one. And what? I love about that one, too. It brings a full circle. We were talking about agility at the start and being a good coach really requires being agile and adapting to your team to really get the message through to the audience that you got and really work with those team members uh, to draw the most out of them. So well done there. I know it probably wasn't intentional there, Whitney, but you brought us full circle. So nicely done. All right. So a closing question now for you, Whitney. And it's all about motivation, right? You wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor. What's the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day?
1: I get really excited about um, if, if I know we have a meeting coming up or a presentation that's going to be meaty, <laughs> right? Meeting, awesome. meeting, it's kind of a play on words. But if I know that there's a topic that we're going to need like all hands on deck for and it's like, okay, I need this perspective and I need this perspective and I need this perspective in order to find the best outcome. I love those collaborative kind of meetings, those collaborative projects, um, because I know that I'm going to learn something from that. Right, I'm gonna learn something. I hope somebody learns something from me, and it's the true um, thing that drives me, which is the people collaboration part. And when I know I've got one of those meetings on my schedule that day, man, I'm up. I've got my coffee. I've gone on my run. Like I'm ready to like sit in my chair and engage and uh, get people pumped up. Right. Sometimes we think that business has to be so serious. Business is very serious, but it's also really fun. Right. And that's maybe yeah. the athlete in me of like, hey, like when we're when we're doing well, that competitiveness in me, I, I love to see that. And I love to see it in other people. So um, those are the things that get me up and, and get my, my blood pumping in the morning.
0: That's so good. Yeah, it's those meaty meetings where you've got your, your notes ahead of time. You know you've got to come prepared in that. Yeah, those are, are a good challenge. And again, it brings the athlete and the competitor out in you where you want to dig in and lean into the challenge. So that, that is so good. Look, Whitney Walker, Director of People Operations at Rumetic, Thank you so much for joining the HR Works podcast. It was great sharing your story and digging into just the importance of coaching culture within an organization. So thanks for your time. Thanks for your insight. And hopefully we can keep this conversation going.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Josh. And thank you for the work you're doing with your podcast. Keep it going.
0: All right, likewise. Thanks, Whitney. I right, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.